Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning everyone. This is Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your servant. And this is a program for people who really want to know what the Bible really says. It's not for people who want to twist the scriptures to their own destruction. So this is the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Again, I'm Kennard Levi Brown, uh, your host. Before I get into the topic of this Bible study, how to deal with suffering, I know many of us around the world, whether we're rich or poor or in between, do suffer. Uh, I'm going to address that issue, but uh, first there there's some, well, as far as the world is concerned, uh, we need to take a look at what's going on in the Middle East right now. And one of the websites that I use to um, give us some updates is watch.org. You can go there with me if you want. It's watch.org. Oh, before I do that, I'm going to announce this on the program each and every week. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, they have new integration with Facebook. And uh, what you can do is uh, go to blogtalkradio.com. You're already there. And click on the Connect Using Facebook button at the top of the page and follow the prompts. So uh, when you do that, it spreads this program through the Facebook network. And if you like what I'm saying and you want other people to uh, listen to what I have to say, then I will implore you and encourage you to go ahead and go to blogtalkradio.com. You should already be there and click on the Connect Using Facebook button at the top of the page and follow the prompts. So... I would appreciate very much if you did that. This would be a, a good way to get this program uh, out over the Internet to as many people as possible. Anyway, watch.org, W-A-T-C-H.org. It states, uh, U.S. fears major Iranian threat in the Persian Gulf. Now, this is a website that I really suggest that each and every one of you, if you don't have your head in the sand, uh, to pull it out and to, if you already had it pulled out, <laughs> They go to this website, and th- this guy does an excellent job of keeping up what's going on in the Middle East, also how Jerusalem is affected, because Jerusalem is where everything's going to start and everything's going to end, the great tribulation uh, that Yeshua talked about. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24 again. And I, I really feel the need to start talking about prophecy a lot more now, because I really see things coming here. I really see things heading to a major climax here and 
God has given me a lot of knowledge about the Bible, and I must teach people about what I know, or else. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Now, first of all, the abomination of desolation is an event that occurred back in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes. All right, you need to look at the uh, Apocrypha book that was taken out of the King James Version. Uh, it was originally in there. That's not a story. But anyway, the Abomination of Desolation, the first chapter of Maccabees. You need to study that. That will reveal to you what the Abomination of Desolation is. Also, Daniel uh, chapter 11. Let me turn there here. Daniel chapter 11. And... Verse 30 talks about what Antiochus Epiphanes did. Daniel chapter 11, verse 30. For the ships of Chittim shall come against him, and he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant, which means the, uh, in this context, is talking about the Jewish people. Now, Chittim uh, is, um, is from an unused name denoting Cyprus, uh, a Cyprite. Hence, an islander in general, that is, the Greeks, the Romans, on the shores opposite the pa uh, Palestine. So that's what Kittim means there. So it means the island of Cyprus. Uh, For the ships of Cyprus shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. Those, uh, in other words, the betrayers of the Jews at, at that particular period of time. In verse 31, an arm shall stand on his part and... They shall pollute the sanctuary, which is the temple, back then the second temple of strength, and he and shall take away the daily sacrifice. The daily sacrifice is the lamb sacrifice that was done in the morning and the evening, and they shall place the abomination that make of desolate. So that's the Bible definition of that. And um, the book of Maccabees even goes into more detail about what happened. So Yeshua is talking about an event uh, that happened with um, Antiochus Epiphanes and the Maccabees. And the Maccabees, of course, from that event, uh, obviously God inspired them to do this. They uh, created the day of Hanukkah, which is celebrated every year. And Hanukkah represents that event, the abomination of desolation. So anyway, getting back to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. And when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, so you understand that this was Hanukkah, basically, that he was talking about, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. So when he states holy place, that means there will, there will be a temple built, despite what people think. They, some people think is a spiritual temple and all that. But that's not the case. Uh, when I turn to Revelation chapter 11, you understand, whoever readeth, let him understand. That's a very important command there. Uh, so anyway, when you see something similar to what happened, and what happened is Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem. He uh, had a statue of Zeus near the holy place, and he also sacrificed a pig on the altar in the holy place or around the holy place. All right. Now, I don't know if that is going to happen uh, exactly the same way, but obviously for Jesus or Yeshua to state this, it's going to happen. The, the social conditions will be similar. 
All right, as far as it happening, the attitude and everything else. And then verse 16, to let him that which be in Judea, which is the West Bank today, flee into the mountains. Flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe or danger or great sour unto them that are with child, in other words, pregnant, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Shabbat, which means, of course, that people will be keeping the Sabbath today, not just the Jews, but other believers of, of Yeshua, because he did it. Verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. I explained in last week's program that he's talking about this nuclear bomb generation that began August 6, 1945, with the detonation of the little boy nuke that um, did a, a um, actually it just um, did some did some real bad destruction to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And then, of course, Harriet Truman, our president at that time, stated that we have tapped into the power of the universe and that if the weapons weren't used responsibly, that it could destroy all of mankind. And so since 1945, August 6th, precisely, 1945, we have been able to fulfill this scripture where it's in Matthew 24, verse 22, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. Prior to 1945, we did not have the capability to wipe out every man and woman and child and all flesh, as the Scripture states, off this earth. Uh, we do have that capability today, and I will continue, as long as I'm alive, to preach that we are in the nuclear bomb generation, the generation that our Messiah will return based on these Scriptures. Now, I can't predict any year, but uh, I doubt seriously that we are going to last this century. That's why I state that the kingdom of God is coming in the 21st century. That gives us all the way until the year 2100. But I, I really believe that it could happen. It could happen when Christ comes back to 2100, but the way we're going right now, God is going to have to preserve things and... and um, keep us to the year 2100, because if he doesn't, I don't see how we're going to be able to last to the year 2100, folks, logically. So anyway, uh, we must uh, keep abreast of things, and uh, we must um, keep up with what's going on in the Middle East. I'm just reading a couple more articles here on Watch.org website, or just highlighting it anyway. Uh, it says, experts estimate that Iran is bolstering its retaliation capabilities against U.S. naval ships in the Persian Gulf. Among other things, Tehran is amassing an arsenal of advanced anti-ship missiles and expanding its fast attack boat fleet, the Washington Post reported on Friday. According to the Post, officials claim that the new systems, many of which were developed with foreign assistance, are giving Iran's commanders new confidence that they could quickly damage or destroy U.S. ships if hostilities erupt. And hint to Iran, Netanyahu says, best defense is a good defense. In an apparent hint directed at Iran and Syria, Prime Minister Bet Benjamin Netanyahu tells National Defense College students that Israel can counter any threat. Defense Minister Yuat Barak, bombing Iranian nu nuclear facilities is better than an Iran arm of nuclear weapons. So 
Here you have to talk, just like Yeshua stated, that there will be wars and rumors of wars. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 26, is happening exactly, and I mean exactly the way he said it would. And uh, it says right here, Matthew 24, verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For a nation that should be families or tribes shall rise against families and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, starvation, and pestilences, diseases, and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. This is going to happen all before the tribulation. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching about it now. You need to prepare now for all the catastrophes that are going to happen even before the temple is built or during the time the temple is built and before the um, the anti-Messiah comes in and stops the sacrifices and then initiates the, the Great Tribulation, which is going to last three and a half years from that point. You need to uh, be prepared, or you need to be preparing, because Yeshua stated the time of his second coming in Luke chapter 17 is similar to the days of Noah. And what did Noah do in Hebrews chapter 11? Let's turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Not timid fear, but wise fear. <laughs> Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So if these, and they are, the days of Noah and Lot, then we need to prepare. We need to prepare to endure the wars and the famine and the pestilence and the earthquakes in various places. All right? We do all we can. We should get emergency food from efoodsdirect.com. You should listen to this program and listen to other programs that tell you the truth about the Bible. All right? And you should listen to Alex Jones, infowars.com. Listen to Gerald Salente. They have his YouTube channel off. We need to pray that uh, God puts it back on so people can find out the truth about the economy right now. Uh, I heard one expert stating that we are $500 trillion, with a T, $500 trillion in debt. I've heard $200 trillion in debt. I've heard 75 or $76 trillion in debt. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that the government or the media is not telling you the truth about our economic situation, that it would take 33 years if everyone contributed to eliminate our debt. 33 years. Uh, we don't have 33 years, folks, um, the way our economy is right now. So listen to this program. Listen to other people that are making sense about the Bible. And the most important thing that you can do to... Uh, have God's protection in whatever way he chooses to protect you. Uh, it's Proverbs chapter 1. You, know, you have to listen to him. You have to listen to him. Proverbs 1 verse 22. I'm going to read this in the um, Bible and basic English version for clarity's sake here. Proverbs 1 verse 22. How long, you simple ones, will foolish things be dear to you? Pride, a delight to the haters of authority. How long will the foolish go on hating knowledge? Be turned again by my sharp words. See, I will send the flow of my spirit on you and make my words clear to you. So if you resist correction, if you resist correction, 
God is going to resist protecting you. And he states here in Proverbs 1, verse 33, but whoever gives ear to me will take his rest safely, living in peace without fear of evil. So that's the number one thing that you need to do is to... Um, you need to obey God and pay attention to him. I'll be right back, folks. Give me about 30 seconds. Sorry about that. Okay. So that's the greatest thing that we can do is to obey God, folks. We have to obey God. And we have to take sorry about that again. Give me another thirty seconds. I'll be right back. Okay. Apologize again. All right, now I'm back. Uh, so that's the best thing that we need to do is to listen to God's words and, and obey what he states in his words. That That's the number one thing that we need to do to um, increase our chances of, as he states here in Luke chapter 21. Let's turn here. Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 34. He states here in the um, in the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version. But give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull of the pleasures of food and wine, like we are in this country and in some parts around the world, especially the Canada and New Zealand and South Africa and the countries in Northwestern Europe. Uh, we are blessed with the best. We have the best of everything in those regions around the world. And we have the, the 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 largest Bible distributions in those areas. Yet we we care more about the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life than than on doing diligent Bible study daily and and praying to God. Um, and our computers and our games and our entertainment that's more important. We can look at a a Batman movie for two and a half hours and, and take that more seriously than a Bible study. You know, and that's that's not the kind of devotion that God wants anyone to have uh, you know movies are movies but doing bible study for two and a half hours believe me you'll get more out of that than looking at a batman or spider-man movie but anyway luke chapter 21 verse 34 but give attention to yourselves for fear that your hearts become overfull the pleasures of food and wine and the cares of this life and that day may come on you suddenly and take you on as a net so when you focus on batman superman spider-man and fantasy and and all that then that day, and it's talking about the day of the Lord landing his feet on the Mount of Olives and, and coming to rule this earth, will come on you suddenly and take you as a net. Uh, verse 35, for so it will come on all those who are living on the face of the earth that are in the state of pleasures of food and wine and cares of this life. And verse 36, but keep watch at all times with prayer. And see, what you're going to get out of this Bible study today is that prayer is very important when you have to deal with suffering. And how do you pray to God? Well, if you don't know God and you know God, how do you get to know God? Hold your place here in Luke 21, verse 36. And let's turn to 1 John. 
1 John. Verse 1, 1 John 2, verse 1, in the, uh, in the Bible and basic English version. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may be without sin. So, hey, uh, God's word will help you not to sin, folks, if you want to believe that, because it's the truth. And if any man is a sinner, we have a friend and helper with the Father, Jesus Christ, the upright one. Verse 2, he is the offering for our sins and not... For ours only, but for the entire world, verse 3, and by this we may be certain that we have knowledge of him if we keep his laws. Now, keep in mind, Yeshua is also God. He's the word of God. So, And he stated that he and his father is one in John 10, verse 30, so they don't disagree with any of the laws that the father has created and that the son has created. So they are in agreement with all the laws of the Bible. Verse 3, so he doesn't have any separate laws from his father, as some people, I think, are teaching incorrectly. And by this we may be certain that we have knowledge of him if we keep his laws. Verse 4, the man who says, I have knowledge of him, God, and does not keep his laws is false, and there is nothing true in him. Nothing. <laughs> Verse 5, but in every man who or woman who keeps his word, the love of God is made complete. By this we may be certain that we are in him. All right? He who says he is living in him will do as he did. So that, that means keep the holy days like he did and, and so forth. And you have, of course, uh, most of Christianity teaching that the that all the laws, including the Sabbath and holy days, was nailed to the cross. And that's not true at all. That's a, one of the greatest lies ever perpetrated by the devil in the history of lying. But uh, let's understand that, that uh, that's not true. And I have, uh, matter of fact, uh, one of my Bible studies is, uh, are the commandments of Jesus different from the commandments of, of the Father? Or I think it was phrased like that on the, on the website. You should take a good look at that and listen to that Bible study. Okay, so there, there's a lot of suffering in the world and in the United States. Now, I'm sure that you know what suffering means is going through pain and agony and having great difficulties. And that has been the human experience since... Uh, Adam and Eve made the unwise decision to do what God told them not to do. And unfortunately, that's what sin causes, folks. Sin causes unnecessary suffering. All right? But because of sin, we also, according to the Bible, states that we have to suffer from other people sinning, and that sinning harming us and causing us great suffering as well. Uh, Yeshua was sinless but yet he suffered because of people sinning. <laughs> he suffered being around sinners. And even if you get to a point where you almost don't sin, you are still going to suffer, folks. Uh, that is a part of the program. It's not fair for Yeshua just to have been nailed to the cross and, and to go through all that, and you don't go through anything at all. That's what false Christianity teaches. They teach that, well, Yeshua, or Jesus, kept all the commandments so you don't have to. He suffered so you don't have to. Well, that's true. I mean, we, we're not going to suffer eternal death if we obey him. But we still are called to suffer, folks. And, and I think people, when they, when they are trying to understand the truth of God, they just don't understand that part. 
and they don't understand that you're going to be called, you are called to suffer. Uh, this is not the easy road, folks. And another thing, I want to make a correction that I made. This is a slight correction last week. I think I stated that the devil, when Yeshua, when Yeshua comes back, the devil is going to be tossed in the lake of fire first. Well, he won't be tossed in the lake of fire. He's going to be tossed into the bottomless pit, whatever that is. Maybe a black hole or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but who's going to be thrown in the lake of fire first are, first of all, the false prophet or, or the, the beast and the false prophet. That's found in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 19 toward the end of it. And also in Revelation chapter 14, it reveals that people who accept the mark of the beast, they will be burnt up in the presence of, of the Lamb. Uh, let me turn there in Revelation chapter 14. That's why you don't want to take the mark of the beast, which, of course, is the... Uh, they, uh, you have to accept, I don't know if it's going to be a, a literal mark or whatever, but it has something to do with socioeconomics, the ability to be able to take care of yourself. And if you don't accept this mark, then either you're going to die or God is going to preserve you. But, hey, I'd rather die and and be resurrected as an immortal being <laughs> with power than uh, accept the mark of the beast and, and realize I'm good as dead, as the Bible states here. It states here... Um, Revelation 14, verse 9, And the third angel came after them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship, gives worship to the beast in his image and has his mark on his brow and his hand, to him will be given the wine of God's wrath, which is ready, unmixed in the cup of his wrath, and he will have cruel pain, burning with fire, before the holy angels and before the Lamb. And the smoke of their pain goes up forever. So I said, the smoke, not them. And they have no rest day or night, because, yes, they'll be destroyed. Who give worship to the beast in his image and have them the mark on his on his name, so you'll be destroyed for good if you accept the mark of the beast, folks. Plain and simple as that. And it's really really not going to be an excuse at that time because the two witnesses will be prophesying around the world. Uh, I don't know how, but they will, and and uh, people will know who the true God is. So it's not going to be any excuse whatsoever. And then above this, they're going to get assistance from an angel. That's going to preach the gospel around the world to people who are alive at this time. Uh, Revelation 14, verse 6, it says, And I saw another angel in flight between heaven and earth, having eternal good news to give to those who are on the earth and to every nation and tribe and language and people. This is what Christ meant when he said, This gospel shall be preached around the world as a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Um, that's going to be done by the two witnesses, and of course, it will also be done by an angel. Revelation 14, verse 6, and the proof that the two witnesses will preach the gospel around the world, because uh, each prophet did preach the gospel. Uh, it says right here, the good news, that if you obey God, you'll be able to live forever. That's really what the gospel is all about. And, of course, there's details. It says right here, after after the two witnesses are, are killed, in verse 10 of Revelation, chapter 11, And those who are on the earth will have pleasure and delight over them, and they will send offerings one to another, because these two prophets gave great trouble to all on the earth. So all on the earth knew about them. <laughs> so obviously they got the message out into the entire world. And then Revelation, chapter 19, talks about... Uh, Revelation 19, verse 19, I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies come together to make war against him who was seated on a horse and against his army, some great war, right? It didn't last long. 
Verse 20, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet who did the signs before him, by which they were turned from the true way, who had the mark of the beast, and who gave worship to his image. These two were put living. They were thrown alive into the sea of ever-burning fire. You know, of course, they were destroyed once they were in the fire. All right, so, and then he says, And the rest were put to death with the sword of him who was on the horse, which is uh, Yeshua, or Jesus, even the sword which came out of his mouth, and all birds were made full with their flesh. All right, that's going to happen before the devil is tossed into the uh, abyss or the bottomless pit, and then after the thousand-year rule of Yeshua and uh, the saints, uh, he will be let loose a little season, as Revelation chapter 20 states, and then he'll gather the pretenders from the believers who are faking at that time even uh, to be believers, and he will draw them like a magnet to uh, Jerusalem, and then God is going to be sick and tired of it, and he's just going to just throw down fire and consume them all, and then he's going to toss the devil into the lake of fire and his angels and destroy them. All right, so that's what I meant to say last week toward the end of the program. All right, so let's get into suffering. I already explained what suffering is, uh, but believers are called to suffer, to be afflicted and persecuted. There's there's suffering around the world right now. Uh, there's suffering even in this country. There's one article, uh, as rich as we are, we still have people suffering. Uh, there's an article off of Infowars.com, which I highly suggest that you review. Uh, the news on, on, on Alex Jones' uh, website, you're not going to get in, in uh, traditional media, what I mean by traditional media, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNBC, Fox, you're not going to get what is talked about here because uh, the media is, is, is entertainment today. That's really really what it is, is uh, entertainment, and uh, they don't want to really give you what you need to understand what's really going on in the world. For you to understand that, you need to listen to my program of last week, Who, What is the Beast, to understand that. Anyway, uh, the subject line uh, for this, the headline is 100 million people, 100 million poor people in America and 39 other facts about poverty that will blow your mind. I'm not going to read all the 39. I'm just going to summarize this. This is from the website, The Economic Collapse, uh, July 25, 2012, by Michael Snyder. I'm just going to read a little bit of this. Every single day, more Americans fall into poverty. Now, this is the richest country in the world, folks. This should deeply alarm you no matter what political party you belong to and no matter what your personal economic philosophy is. Right now, approximately 100 million Americans are either poor or near poor. For a lot of people, poverty can be a nebulous concept, so let's define it. The poverty level, as defined by the federal government in 2010, was 11139 for an individual and $22,314 for a family of four. Could you take care of a family of four on less than 2000 a month? Millions upon millions of families are experiencing a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount of pain or suffering. That's what this Bible study is about in this economy, and no matter what solutions we think are correct, solutions and quotations, the reality is that we all should have compassion on them, and that is true. We should all have compassion, and that's the problem not only in this country, but around the world. Sadly, things are about to get even worse. 
just confirming the prophecies of Jesus. Only going to get worse. The next major economic downturn is rapidly approaching, and when it hits, the statistics posted below are going to look even more horrendous. When it comes to poverty, most Americans immediately want to get into debates about tax rates and wealth redistribution and things like that. But the truth is that they are missing the main point. The way we slice up the pie is not going to solve our problems because the pie is constantly getting smaller. Our economic infrastructure is being absolutely gutted. The U.S. dollar is slowly losing its status as the reserve currency of the world, and we are steadily getting poorer as a nation. Don't be fooled by the government statistics that show a very small amount of economic growth. Those figures do not account for inflation. After accounting for inflation, our economic growth has actually been negative all the way back into the middle of the last decade. According to numbers compiled by John Williams of ShadowStats.com, you can go to this website at any time, ShadowStats.com, S-H-A-D, as in dog, O-W-S-T-A-S, I mean, I'm sorry, S-H-A-D-O-W-S-T-A-T-S.com, our real GDP, in quotations, has continually been negative since 2005. So that means we are getting poor as a nation. Meanwhile, we have been piling up astounding amounts of debt. Forty years ago, the total amount of debt in the United States, government, business, and consumer, was less than $2 trillion. Today, it is nearly $55 trillion, and actually is a lot more than that, $200 trillion or $500 trillion in debt. So we have a massive problem. Our economic pie is shrinking. And millions of Americans have been falling out of the middle class. Meanwhile, we have been piling up staggering amounts of debt in order to maintain our vastly inflated standard of living with credit cards and getting things we don't need, etc., etc. As our economic problems get even worse, these trends are going to accelerate even more. So don't look down on the poor. You know why, folks? You might be joining them a lot sooner than you might think. All right, so read the rest of this article. It's a very illuminating article. It reveals to you the true status of this country. Uh, President Obama continues to not tell you the whole truth about what's going on in this country because I think they realize that people would panic if they understood the truth. But I'm commanded of God to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So I'm going to tell you what's going on with the economy so that you can do the responsible thing, not depend on FEMA. Even FEMA tells you to prepare for any emergency or catastrophe. And I'm telling you on the authority of the Bible itself that you must do that now. You must start preparing for what's about to happen here. Don't depend on your government. Don't depend even on your family. You know, if you have people that think you're nuts because... Uh, you you try to obey the Bible. You're going to have to depend on God, folks. We all are. We can do all we can, and we should, just like Noah did. But in the end, if you don't obey the Scriptures, if you think something is wrong with God, if you don't think He knows what He's talking about, then you will not be protected, folks. You will not be worthy to escape all the things that are about to occur. If you don't love the Bible more than anything else, you are going to have some serious 
problems enduring the tremendous suffering that we will all have to go through in the immediate future. Now, I don't know how many years the immediate future is, but it's close, folks. I sense it, and I must tell you. All right. So let's understand something that we are all called to suffer. And uh, this program may go over again. I, I try to keep it at an hour, but <laughs> I've not been able to do it yet. So i got 23 minutes. If I go over, then you'll be able to listen to the rest of it uh, in its entirety um, uh, in the archives. So anyway, First Peter, chapter 2. First Peter, chapter 2, starting in verse 19. In the Bible, basic English version, it says, "For it is a sign of a grace if a man it is a sign of grace if a man desiring to do right in the eyes of God undergoes pain as punishment for something which he has not done. This is what God wants us to do. I know incredibly, but that's what it states in verse twenty. What credit is it if, when you have done evil, you take your punishment quietly? So, in other words, you deserve it. But if you are given punishment for doing right," and take it quietly. This is pleasing to God. This is what we're called to do, folks. If you want to call yourself a true believer, verse 21, this is God's purpose for you. This is what God's purpose is for you. Because Jesus himself, in King James Version, this is what you are called to do, because Jesus himself underwent punishment for you, giving you an example so that you might go in his footsteps. So we have to accept punishment too, just like our great Lord and Savior did. Verse 22, who did no evil and there was no deceit in his mouth, no uh, false deception in his mouth, unlike the many false ministers today. Verse 22, to sharp words he gave no sharp answer. So he didn't retaliate. When he was undergoing pain or suffering, no angry word came from his lips. But he put himself into the hands of the judge of righteousness. Not to say he wasn't angry at times, but it's talking about uncontrollable anger. He, he had it under control. That's what it's saying here. Now, this road, and I try to explain this to people, and I don't know if they get it or not, but Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, is a pivotal verse for you to understand the entire Bible. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Go in by the narrow door, for wide is the door, and open is the way which goes to destruction. And please, underscore it, understand this. And great numbers go in by it. So the majority of mankind goes into the door of destruction, folks. This is from Jesus himself, his words. Verse 14. For narrow is the door, and hard the road to life. Hard. It involves suffering, folks. Hard is the road to life. And only a small number... And in the King James Version, it says puny, uh, a few rather, and that word in the Greek means puny, a puny number, make discovery of it. Okay, this is what your Lord and Savior states here. So the true way of life, folks, very few people reach it. Very few people reach it. Case in point, very few people keep the, the Sabbath day. The Jews do it, the ones that are serious about the Bible. But you also have the seven-day Adventists that, that keep the, uh, the Sabbath, and you have other assemblies or, or church organizations, uh, those who 
splintered off from Hubert W. Armstrong's Worldwide Church of God. Uh, some of those keep the Sabbath and holy days. And then you have little groups like myself. And we are a little group, Merciful Servants of God. And we keep the Shabbat and the holy days. So it's not that many people around the world that are keeping the Sabbath and the holy days. And trying to live like Yeshua. Again, for narrow is the door and hard the road to life. And only a small number, small number, puny number, make discovery of it. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Verse 26. Many people will not understand the scripture. I'm going to quote you here, but I have to quote this to you because I'm sure your minister or ministers that have taught you have not quoted this scripture. And if they did, they didn't understand what they were talking about, and they did not do it in context. Luke 14, verse 26. And turning around, he said to them, If any man comes to me, or woman, and has not hate for his father and mother, doesn't mean hate your father and mother, but what he's saying is that you should not love your father and mother more than him. I know I... Uh, I couldn't tell my parents this without them getting angry, okay? And uh, they're getting angry at me. They need to get angry at Yeshua because he stated this, all right? So they they may have an issue with me, but they have more of an issue with uh, Yeshua. And I've told them this, and and I think they don't they don't like that statement. But hey, you know, I, I don't love my parents more than I love God, and you shouldn't either. If any man comes to me and has not hate for his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and even for his own life, even for his own life, he may not be my disciple. That means in the Greek, student. He may not be my student. Verse 27, whoever does not take up his cross and come after me may not be my disciple. Do you understand what this scripture is saying, folks? I, 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 I just hope you understand, because I do. He's saying you're going to have to suffer. You're going to have to suffer just like him. And suffering like him means obeying like he did too. Whoever does not take up his cross and come after me, follow him, may not be my disciple or student. Verse 28. For which of you, desiring to put up a tower, does not first give much thought to the price, if he will have enough to make it complete? So, Following a true way of life involves preparation, folks. It involves understanding the basic doctrines of Elohim, which I have done you a favor, and I've done a Bible study on that for free. Nothing on this program is going to cost you a dime, even though I do graciously accept your donations. But nothing is going to cost you a dime. I'm not going to sit up here and charge for any audio teaching or any books if God willing, he allows me to be able to complete any, I'm going to distribute those for free. But, of course, uh, if you would like to contribute to this work, I'm not going to discourage you from that because God commands that you do so. But that's up to you. That's up to you. And for those who want to contribute, you can go to my website and click on the Donations tab and realize I'm not a 501c3 organization. So if you're expecting a... a um, tax deduction because you give, don't give to me. Okay, I'm not going to preach that game. I'm not going to encourage you to give because you're going to get something back. Uh, you should always give 
and it should be a sacrifice, not to the point of decimating your family budget, but it should be a sacrifice knowing that it hurts a little bit, but not to the point of decimating uh, your family financings and not to a point of getting you to file bankruptcy. That is against the law of God for you to give, and then you're hurting your family to the point where you don't have any food or clothes or can't pay your bills. I'm not going to ever request that from you, and any minister that's requesting that on you is of the devil. They're not teaching you properly, or they don't know what they're talking about, and they need to be corrected. So anyway, um, back to Luke 14, verse 29. For fear that if he makes a start and is not able to go on with it to the end, all who see it will be laughing at him. Verse 30. And saying, this man made a start at building and is not able to make it complete. Now, he was a carpenter, so of course he's going to talk that way. Verse 31. Or what king, going to war with another king, will not first take thought if he will be strong enough with 10,000 men to keep him, to keep off him who comes against him with 20,000? Uh, in verse 32, or oh, while the other is still a great distance away, he sends representatives requesting conditions of peace. And so whoever is not ready to give up all he has may not be my disciple. Again, that, that's very important to understand that. You, you have to be willing to give up everything if necessary to be, um, as the Greek states here, a learner, a pupil, a student of God. Uh, you, you, can, you cannot be a student of God. And Jesus is God because he's the word of God. If you're not willing to give all, and I mean give all, that's what it states there. But there's great, and I'm going to tell you this, there is great, in Romans chapter 8 reveals there's great reward. It says the sufferings of this present day is not worthy to be compared with the glory that would be revealed in us. So I'm telling you right now on the authority of the scriptures that the suffering is worth it, folks. It truly is. And all the suffering that you go through now will be rewarded. God is a rewarder of those who do good. Matthew chapter 12. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 46. We all have to take up our cross. We all got to have some kind of problems, folks. This is not going to be easy street from here. If you're looking for easy street from here, you, you need to listen to someone else or read some other Bible that uh, that's, agrees with what you want to think, which is going to be a false Bible. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. Now, this is an example here that I don't think too many people will understand properly, but um, I'm going to tell you this uh and hopefully you understand that these are Yeshua's own words. <laughs> what is his own words or not is inspired scripture, and this is in the Bible. Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. It says, While he was still talking to the people, his mother and his brothers came desiring to have talk with him. And one said to him, See, your mother and your brothers are outside desiring to have talk with you. In verse 48 of Matthew chapter 12, But he in answer said to him who gave the news, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Verse 49, And he put out his hand to his disciples and said, See, my mother and my brothers. Verse 50, For whoever does the pleasure of my Father in heaven, he is my brother, sister, and mother. And I feel the same way. You know, I love my parents and I love my sister, but <laughs> I feel the same way that Yeshua states here. Whoever obeys, 
the word of God is my mother, father, sister, and brother, and that you should feel the same way as well. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 21. says, But he said to them, My mother and my brothers are those who have knowledge of the word of God and do it. You know, and I feel the same way as well. And And those who have knowledge of the word of God and do it, those are my mother and father and brothers and sisters. You know, and believe me, I know from personal experience that is true. And I'm not going to go any further than that, but <laughs> I know from personal experience that that is true. That is true. Okay, so. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not have the thought that I have come to send peace on the earth. And what do we do every Christmas? Jesus, Christ child, peace on the earth and all that. Well, he didn't come to send peace on the earth, folks. All right? You have scriptural proof here. He didn't come the first time to do it. He's going to do it the second, but not the first. Matthew 10, verse 30. Do not have the thought that I have come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Verse 35. For I have come to put a man against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man will be hated by those of his house. And then verse 37, he who has more love, that's what he meant in the other scripture by hate his father. That was a mistranslation. The word hate is the wrong word. He who has more love for his father or mother than for me is not good enough for me. He who has more love for son or daughter than for me is not good enough for me. In verse 38 of Matthew chapter 10, And he who does not take his cross, in other words, suffer, and come after me is not good enough for me. Verse 39, He who has a desire to keep his life, and is all you're thinking about preserving your life, I, you know, I want to protect my life and I don't care about anyone else, will, uh, and will have it taken from him. If that's all your concern is, is saving your own life and not others. And he who gives up his life or sacrifices his life because of me will have it given back to him. That's how you can protect yourself as well, if you have the attitude of sacrificing your life. Verse 40, he who gives honor to you gives honor to me, and he who gives honor to me gives honor to him who sent me, which is the Father. Verse 41, he who gives honor to a prophet in the, in the name of a prophet, if you preach the prophetic words, and if you preach the message of the prophets as well, that's giving honor to a prophet, in the name of a prophet will be given a prophet's reward. And he who gives honor to an upright man, in the name of an upright man, will be given an upright man's reward. Verse 42, And whoever gives to one of these little ones a cup of cold water only, in the name of a disciple, Truly, I say to you, he will not go without his reward. I'm reading this to you because God will reward you for your righteous works. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Starting in verse 28. Peter said to him, See, we have given up everything and come after you. Verse 29 of Mark chapter 10. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no man who has given up house or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or land, or property, because of me and the good news, verse 30, 
who will not get a hundred times as much now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land. And remember, he defined the mothers and brothers and sisters as people who obey his words. So those are people that will come and fellowship with you, and they will become your brothers and mothers and sisters and fathers and whatever. Okay? So I know that I have had this scripture fulfilled in my life, and you will in yours as well. If you trust him and obey him and follow. And see, again, I, I got off track here and didn't. I wanted to say something, but I've done a favor for you. I have done a Bible study on the basic doctrines of Elohim. I suggested you in the archives study those and pass those on to other people. There's been a great deception in the world. Most ministers are not teaching the basic doctrines of Elohim or God. They don't even know what they are. And the first one is repentance from dead works. I know that may sound strange to you, but because many uh, so-called Christian ministers, they preach that uh, there's no works, but one of the basic doctrines of God is you must repent from dead works. The second one is trust or faith in God. The third one is the doctrine of baptisms uh, that was incorrectly translated. Baptism it should be translated washings. The fourth one is the laying on of hands. The fifth one is the resurrection of the dead. And the sixth one is eternal judgment. You should have all those memorized like I do. And you should understand each and every one of them. Anyway, look in the archives. I did a program on each and every one of those. If you're serious about counting the costs and realize that you have to suffer, realizing the suffering will end up with great glory in the end, then I implore and motivate you to listen to each and every one of those programs. And if you have any questions, email me, kennard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. And for free, I will explain and do the best I can to help you understand those major doctrines. Okay, anyway, verse 30. Who will not get a hundred times as much now in this time, houses, brothers, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and land, through, though with great troubles or great suffering, and in the world to come, eternal life. But So you're going to get struggles. You're going to have problems. But look what you're going to get, eternal life. And you really should mature to the point where you should want to do it anyway. But God knows we love to be rewarded, and he's the true Santa Claus, all right? And he loves to bless you, and he's going to reward you. He's, he's like that. He, he, he really appreciates you obeying him, and he's going to reward you for that. He knows it's tough. He knows it's tough. And he knows that it is, it's a just and right thing to reward you for suffering. And we will be rewarded uh, beyond our comprehension. Mark 10, verse 31, but a great number who are first will be last. So it's talking about socioeconomics here. The rich will be last, and those who are last will be first. So there's a scripture in James that proves this, uh, or it confirms the scripture here in James chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, my brothers, if you have... The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ of glory, do not take a man's position into account. Verse 2, for if a man comes into your synagogue in fair clothing and with a gold ring, and that's what they did back then in the first century. They attended Jewish synagogue, not church buildings today uh, that we have. Uh, for if a man, matter of fact, the, um, the Gentiles that uh, connected with the assembly, they all attended the synagogue, Jewish synagogues at that time. Another Bible study. For if a man comes into your synagogue in fair clothing, and with a gold ring, and a poor man comes in with dirty clothing, verse three, and you do honor 
to the man in fair clothing and say, come here and take this good place. And you say to the poor man, take up your position here or be seated at my feet. Verse 4, is there not a division in your minds? Have you not become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, now this is the scripture I want you to pay attention to. Give ear, my dear brothers. Are not those who are poor in the things of this world marked out by God to have faith as their wealth and for their heritage for uh, as for their heritage, the kingdom which he has said he will give to those who love him. So anyway, let me let me ease your translation here to this. Uh, sometimes the King James Version is a lot more reliable. <laughs> James 2, verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren, have not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs, heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? So there's going to be a lot of poor as the the parable of Lazarus and um, the rich man uh, reveals uh, things are going to be reversed. I mean, the the guy that was begging for food at the table, well, he was in the kingdom of God, and the other guy that did not want to give him anything, what happened to him? Well, he was uh, in that place of torment. So that's what he means, that many that first shall be last and the last shall be first, uh, in that context as well. Okay, so Matthew chapter 7, 13. All right, John 10, verse 20. Um, I've been accused of this. John the Baptist was accused of having a demon, and and Yeshua was too. Um, John 10, verse 20, and many of them said, He has a devil and is mad. Why do you hear him? And if you look above it, they're talking about Yeshua. So they, many people thought that Yeshua was crazy, that he didn't know what he was talking about, and and many people think that way of me. And if you follow this great man, Yeshua, they're going to feel the same way towards you as well. And and I just wanted to, to point that out to you. Uh, that's a part of the suffering that we have to to go through here. And he was talking to his brothers, uh, his family here, when he stated this, John 7, verse 7, The world cannot hate you, but me it hate it, because I testify of the works that are evil. And, you know, most people in the world don't want to hear that is something wrong with them. They want to hear, hey, everything is okay, uh, there's no problems, clean sailing from here, and that's not the message. That's not the true message of the gospel. And you're not going to ever hear me preach that kind of message. So, what must we do to handle the suffering that we all must go through? Now, I tell my son this, and I'm going to tell you this as well. You're going to suffer. There's no way you're going to uh, uh, escape suffering, folks. We're going to suffer, whether we go God's way or the devil's way. The difference between suffering God's way is that you're rewarded for it. <laughs> when you suffer the devil's way, there's no what's the reward of suffering the devil's way? Nothing other than eternal death. All right, so that's so you might as well suffer God's way and get a reward. I mean, I, I'm just I'm just trying to to use common sense here to the best of my ability. All right, so let's understand suffering and how we can deal with it here. Um, and then number two, we have to pray to God. And in order to pray to God, you have to know him. And how do you know him? By studying his words. If you don't study his words, how can you know what to talk about, to talk to God about if you don't know him? The only way you're going to know him is by obeying the commandments. And how you obey the commandments? Well, you obey them by doing them, but you have to understand how to do them. And to understand how to do them, you have to um, do diligent Bible study. And uh, I have 19 or 18, 17, 16 <laughs> seconds left here. Um, I'm going to cut off here, but I am going to be 
continuing this Bible study, and when this Bible study is done, I think approximately maybe 30 or maybe 45 more minutes, go ahead and, and access it on the archives. Okay, I'm on the recording now, so I'm going to continue on with this. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 13. It states this in the King James Version. There has no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. Temptation is suffering too. Uh, The temptation is in verse and sinning. But will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So you have a promise of God here. if If you practice the second basic doctrine of God, trusting him then what he will do is give you the ability to be able to deal with your suffering and deal with your your temptations, all right? And he's not going to give you what you can't handle. He will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, all right? That's a promise from him. Uh, Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, verse 22. confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must, through much tribulation, much problems, much suffering, enter into the kingdom of God. I just wanted to point that out. There's going to be many people around the world that have gone through much problems before they enter the kingdom of God. For proof of that, Revelation chapter 17, which uh, actually the whole book of Revelation uh, is, is about the 21st century, folks. Uh, it really is. Uh, if it's not, then um, I just can't see how it's not based on on the way things are right now. We, we've really reached a tipping point of civilization this century, and I can't see us lasting um, to the year twenty one hundred. I think most people would agree with me on that, just based on common sense. Uh, Revelation chapter seven, verse fourteen. And I said unto him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are they which came out of great spankings or or problems or sufferings and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And it tells you there's quite a few people here. Uh, States here in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7, After this I beheld in lo a great multitude which no man can number. No man can number all these people. All nations, all kindreds, Chinese Black folks, white folks, green folks, blue folks, purple folks, whatever. <laughs> and people and languages stood before the throne and before the Lamb. God is an equal opportunity God. He doesn't care what race you are. He doesn't care what you look like. All he cares about, truly, is whether you're going to obey him or not. People and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Okay. John chapter... Yeah, I scribbled these scriptures down here. I had a rough work week like I'm sure many of you had as well. And I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to prepare this Bible study. Uh, John 16, verse 33. Actually, let me start in verse 32. John 16, verse 32. Behold, the hour cometh, yes, is now come that ye shall be scattered, and every man to his own. And that's the way it is today. The church, if you look at Ezekiel 34 and Jeremiah chapter 23, it prophesied that the true people of God are scattered worldwide. 
That's the way it is. Behold, the hour coming, yes, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. What is peace? Peace is keeping the commandments of God, and, and um, Psalm 119, verse 165 explains that. Those who love thy law, nothing shall offend them. They shall have peace. John 16, verse 33. Great peace have those that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's in Psalm 119, verse 165. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. You shall have tribulation. You shall have problems. You're going to have problems. Pressure, affliction, anguish. You're going to be burdened. You're going to have persecution. That's what that word means in the Greek. It means delipsis, delipsis, yeah, delipsis, and it means pressure, afflicted, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble. In the world, you shall have these things. You shall have pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if he has overcome or conquered the world, we can through him. That is the positive message. Second Timothy chapter 3. Yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You will suffer persecution. What is persecution? Well, people saying things falsely of you. That's what persecution is. To pursue with repeated acts of enmity. That's what persecution is. That's what it is. 1 Peter 4, verse 13 to 16. But rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Now, I know this is a scripture that's going to be hard for some people to understand. But I'm reading this in the King James Version here. Verse Peter 4, verse 13. But rejoice insomuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. This is what he meant. When you must, when he said you must take up his cross, you must be willing to spiritually suffer like he did, and physically suffer. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in, in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian or a believer or follower of Yeshua, the Messiah, let him not be ashamed, but let him glor glorify God on his behalf. On his behalf. So I hope you understand these scriptures, folks. Um. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, that you understand the suffering is a part of the equation. It's not unusual for us to suffer as believers. It's part of the program. 
Revelation 1, verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. So John understood this is the guy that was real close to Jesus, Yeshua. And he suffered tribulation. Matter of fact, there's a story, um, I think it's in, in one of the um, uh, New Testament apocryphal books or whatever, that John was boiled in oil. So if that's true, boy, did he go through, but he stated that he was in tribulation. So whether that's true or not, he still went through tribulation according to his words here. Now, Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Starting in verse 29. The Lord is far from the wicked. I mean, he is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And that's that's important to understand this. He hears the prayers of the righteous. And who are the righteous? Those are people that keep the commandments. Psalm 119, verse 172 states that righteousness is all of God's commandments. So if you keep all the commandments to the best of your ability, he's more likely to hear your prayer Versus someone who does it. Now, he does sometimes hear the prayer of the wicked. He's merciful. But he's going to, and this is not favoritism, this is just only right. If if <laughs> if you have a boss, okay, and the boss is dealing with two different, if you, if you have one servant that doesn't care about obeying him and shows it through his actions, and you have another one that is obedient and, and doing what he's supposed to, of course, you're going to pay attention to that person more so then the other one, I mean, that's only common sense. That's not favoritism. That's just fairness. That's justice. You know, if you know that someone is wicked and someone is righteous, <laughs> I mean, that, that's not favoritism. That's just your choice to be wicked when you have the truth, of course, of how to do right and you still do wrong. Um, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, to understand that Christ suffered, folks. We're going to have to suffer. Hebrews 5, verse 7. Have we actually started Hebrews 5, verse 5 in the King James. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made in high priest, but he said unto him, and that's uh, the Father stating, saying this to the Son, Thou art my Son, today have I begotten thee. Verse 6, as he said also in another place, uh, that place is uh, in Psalm, I think, 112. Yeah, Psalm 112. So he's going back to the uh, Tanakh or the Old Testament, and he's quoting scriptures for us to understand. Psalm 110, rather. It's Psalm 110 when he talks about, um, yeah, uh, Melchizedek there. So that's what he's referring to. Let me get back to Hebrews here. Hebrews chapter 5. And beginning in verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Verse 6. As he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying, strong crying and outcry, or grief and tears 
unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. So Yeshua, and I can relate to this because I've done this, I have offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying. My, my family has seen me cry. I've, I've cried sometimes uh, praying to God. And, and believe me, that, that that's Yeshua living in me, as Galatians 2 verse 20 states. For anyone that is a true believer, he will spiritually live in you and help you to act like him, not exactly like a robot, but to have his character. And and uh, I, I can say confidently that I do have his character, not perfectly, but it's getting there. Um, now, you may be wondering, why does God allow suffering, all kinds of suffering? Right? Well, it has something to do with either ignorance of not knowing his law or just outright not wanting to obey his law. And it's in Isaiah chapter 59 reveals this to you. Isaiah chapter 59, starting in verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Okay, so, you know, God can hear when he wants to, and he can see if he wants to. And it's nothing that he can't do. Verse 2, but here's the problem. Most people don't understand this. But your iniquities or sins have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So the more that you sin, the more you drive God away from you, and the more he will not hear you, folks. Now, I know that many people don't know how to obey God. Um, and God is merciful, and he understands that. But for those who know better, he certainly is not going to hear you. Verse 3, For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. Now, most people know, even in our judicial systems and court systems and governmental structures in this country and around the world, most people know that lying is wrong. We even have it in our law, in our laws around the world. So you can understand this. And we're gonna, we're all gonna be liable for any morality that we understand, whether we got out of the Bible or we got it from someone else. Verse four: None call for justice, and this is a few that calls for justice, but but the majority, and this is what he means here: None calls for justice, nor any pleads for truth. And what is truth? Psalm one nineteen, verse one forty two: Truth is all the doctrines of God, teachings of God. Also, truth, the embodiment of truth, is the word of God, Yeshua himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. So, in Isaiah 59, verse 4. None call for justice, nor any pleader for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. What is vanity? meaningless confusion like these stupid movies that people value more so than doing a good bible study and praying and fasting um speak lies they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity verse seven their feet run not walk run to evil and they make haste to shed innocent blood abortions that's the first thing i think of when i when i read the scripture abortions their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their past. What did I read to you about the majority of people in this world, where they go? 
into the way of destruction. Verse 8, the way of peace they have not known. And what's the way to peace? Psalm 119, verse 165, the way to peace. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. That's in Psalm 119, verse 165. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whoever goeth there and shall not know peace, that path again is the path of destruction that Yeshua stated in Matthew 7, verse 13. Verse 9 of Isaiah 59. Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity for brightness, but we walk in darkness. If you don't obey God, you will walk in darkness. You will walk in darkness, folks. And you will suffer without reward. And there's a prophecy that I must talk about here. Micah chapter 3. Micah chapter 3. And I said, Here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob. The heads of Jacob are the tribes of Israel that is talked about in Genesis chapter 49. And Genesis chapter 49 reveals that these tribes will have certain things happen to them in the end times, the last days, the days before the coming of the Messiah. Read and study that. And also go to www.britam.org and get educated on who the tribes of Israel are by your Davidi. Anyway, Micah 3, verse 1, the tribes of Israel do consist today, despite what people think are trying to deceive you otherwise, uh, the United States and Britain, the, Cana uh, the, uh, the countries in northwestern Europe, the Canadians, the South Africans, the New Zealands, Australians, they all are a part of the tribes of Israel. Why? Because they are the fattest and the wealthiest people in the world, according to the scriptures. Study Deuteronomy chapter 31. And study Deut Deuteronomy chapter 32. And Deuteronomy chapter 33. Study those chapters to understand that. Israel consists of the wealthiest and fattest people in the world. And the United States is definitely one of the fattest and richest people in the world. And all the rest of the people in those regions are. So anyway, Micah 3, verse 1, and I said, Here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and you princes of the house of Israel, and this is a prophecy. Remember, the, the assembly is based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That's the reason why I preach from the prophetic books. And I would love to receive a prophet's reward. <laughs> but anyway, Micah 3, verse 1, and I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and you princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment, to know right from wrong? We don't know right from wrong in all the tribes of Israel in particular this country. Verse 2, who hate the good and love the evil. What did Obama just recently state in May? He's the president of the, uh, of the United States. He is the most powerful man in the world. And what did this man say? He has a Harvard degree. He's a law professor. He's supposed to know right from wrong. And what did he state? He stated that two people of the same sex ought to get married. That's not showing God or me or anyone else that has any sense that he's very intelligent to say something like that. 
Verse 2, and if, if he secretly, and I suspect that may be the case, knows that's wrong, he's just doing that to get votes still, that's wrong and wicked to say something like that when you know it's wrong. But anyway, Micah 3, verse 2, who hate the good and love the evil, that's the way we are. I know somebody that's supposed to be close to me that thinks that pornography is okay. He doesn't understand that pornography is fornication. Uh, matter of fact, fornication in the original Greek means porneia, or porneia, and it means to fornicate. It means all the sexual sins that are found uh, in Leviticus, I think, is uh, chapter 18. All the sexual sins that are found in that chapter. That's what it's talking about. And and uh, Yeshua stated that if you lust after a woman uh, in your heart, that's committing adultery. And what do you do when you look at that filth, when you look at uh, pornography? That is lusting after another woman. <laughs> that's why you look at it. You, you you enjoy it. That's sin. So that's what God is talking about here in this tremendous, tre- tremendously accurate prophecy. Who hate the good and love the evil. Who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. And I just read to you about the the tremendous poverty to this country. We have like 360, I think it's 360 million people in this country, and 100 million of them are either almost poor or dirt poor, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, verse 3, who also eat the flesh of my people. It's another way of saying you, you, you deprive them of their due right to survive and, and live uh, with their basic needs provided. And flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for pot and his flesh within the cauldron. Verse 4, they shall cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves in their doings. There we go again. He is not going to listen to you when you violate his commandments, when you don't want to obey him collectively as a nation. That's the reason why we're going through all these weather disturbances right now. That's the reason why we will continue to have weather disturbances. That's the reason why we will have uh, people like uh, the guy that thought he was a joker, I think James, whatever his name is, going around shooting people. None of that stuff would happen if we obeyed him collectively as a nation. Hold your place here and turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse 7. It says, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it? Verse 8, If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, do teshuva, repentance. Teshuva is the Jewish name for repentance. Repent. Turn from their evil. I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. That applies to any nation. It doesn't make a difference who you are. God is an equal opportunity God. We are all brothers and sisters. Verse 4. Verse 5 of Micah, chapter 3. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry peace. In other words, they're eating, having good meals and rich and looking cute. Peace, and he that putteth not into their mouths that they even prepare war against him. 
Verse 6, therefore night shall be unto you that you shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you that you shall not divine, and the sun shall go down. In other words, you won't have any knowledge to do any prophesying or teaching. And the day shall be dark over them. Verse 7, then shall the seers be ashamed and the diviners confounding. Yes, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. Verse 8, but truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. This is people who do obey God. They're full of, or should be anyway, full of the power and spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgressions, the twelve tribes of Israel, and to Israel his sin, his sin. Verse 9, hear this, I pray you, you heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel that abhor judgment, they don't want to know right from wrong, and pervert all equity. And that's fairness, uprightness, to be straight. Verse 10, they build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Verse 11, the heads thereof judge for reward. They judge for reward. And the priests thereof teach for hire. This is unrighteous reward. And the priests therefore teach for hire as they do today. These ministers, these, uh, they, they teach for hire. And the prophets, therefore, divine for money. Yet they will lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. He's stating that people that actively and seeking money, preaching what should be free, according to Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 3, that the Lord is not with them. They may think so. But he's not. And in verse 12, Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and a mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. This is going to happen in the future when Jerusalem is taken over. Uh, the abomination of desolation, Jerusalem will be in heaps, basically. It's not going to look very, very well. It's going to be taken over. Okay, so that's that prophecy. And in Jeremiah chapter 5, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 25. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good from good things from you. So when you sin, folks, it takes away good things from you. All right? That's the reason why we must stop sinning, so we'll have good things happen to us. I mean, that's just common sense. And see, the devil's job, folks, is to do this. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. And sorry for this going over, but uh, I have to do what I have to do here to give a complete message so that it'll help you. And that's my purpose here, not to get on here and to entertain you, but to to help you develop a relationship with the one true God. That's my job. 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That word devour means to drink down, to gulp entirely, to swallow up. Verse 9, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So there's many afflictions that we all go through. Verse 10, But the God of all grace, who have called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, 
establish, strengthen, and settle you. The suffering will lead to uh, will lead to perfection, folks. It will lead to perfection. First Peter three verse four. Fourteen rather. First Peter three verse fourteen. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, and that's what we have to do, we have to suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. So we, we have to learn how to suffer for righteousness sake, folks. That's what it's all about. That's what it's truly all about. And this is another key scripture here. And this, I can relate to this, and I know true believers that are listening to me can relate to this. First Thessalonians 1, verse 6, And you become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. I have received the truth of God in much affliction, folks but with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that's something that, that we must understand there, that this is a role, not an easy role, but it does have its rewards, folks. It really, really does. Second uh, Corinthians 1, verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so the sufferings of Christ are going to be in us, folks. If, if, if Yeshua is going to be living in us, as Galatians 2, verse 20, we are going to experience his sufferings. And so as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so are consolation also abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer or whether we be confronted or comforted, is for your consolation and salvation. It's all for our salvation, folks. And verse 7, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so you also shall be of the consolation. Okay? So, that is what we need to understand. In James chapter 1, starting in verse 1 to 3. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. I just mentioned to you who those twelve tribes are, despite what people are ignorantly teaching and incorrectly teaching you. Verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations, trials, problems. Verse 3. Knowing that the trying of your faith works patience. Works patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So you have to be patient and wait for things. One of the reasons why people do suffer in the financial area, one of the major reasons, is because they don't want to wait for things. In this country, we are brainwashed and taught that let's not wait for things. Let's go ahead and use a credit card. Let's go ahead and get the things that we need or we think we need even though we can't afford it. And and uh, you can't do that. And even getting charging your needs on credit cards, you should try to find your job, 
something that um, will provide consistent incomes to avoid that, to avoid doing that. Okay, I'm almost done here. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And we have to be that way too. The joy is that we're going to be rewarded for this. We're going to receive glory in this kingdom. So when we suffer, we should always immediately think of the future, of our future glory in the kingdom of God. That will help us endure the tremendous suffering that each and every one of us will have to go through if we choose uh, to be a true believer of God. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So... um, as I'm going to quote to you in James 5, verse 3. James 5, verse 3. James 5, verse 13, rather. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So it's important to pray to God when you are suffering. When you are suffering, you must pray to God. And let me give you an example of that uh, in Second Chronicles here. Second Chronicles chapter 33, and this is about, I'm, I'm not going to, because of lack of time, you can read this in entirety, but Manasseh was a very wicked king of Judah at the time, but what happened here, let's see, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and he didn't listen. And um, here in verse 10, 2 Corinthians 33, verse 10, The Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken like they do today. They don't listen to him. Read it through the written word of someone like myself preaching the truth. Verse 11, Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Isaria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Now, this is the common tendency of mankind. When, when, when we suffer, that's when we start thinking about God. Verse 12, and when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his father. Now, he was in an affliction now, see, and, and this is what affliction does. It, it, it's kind of like, it's, it's how you punish adults, basically. Verse 13, and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So, even, I'm giving you this because you can be wicked like Manasseh was. And if you humble yourself and repent and do teshuva and he sees that through your actions that you are serious, he will listen to you and he will come to you and help you. So I, I you know, for those who have done wicked things that are listening to me, you're not alone. I've done wicked things too. But I have for 28 years done the best I can to obey the words of the Bible, and my character has grown to the point that I'm really close to him, and I do the best I can not to sin. And when I do sin, I, I ask God, just like Manasseh did here, I humble myself and, and pray to him to uh, deliver me 
uh, from this sin and help me to be stronger so that I won't commit the sin again. And he does that. And he can do the same for you because, like I told you before, he's an equal opportunity God. Okay. Almost done here. Uh, Luke chapter 20. Did I quote this scripture already? Luke chapter 22. Beginning in verse 44. Yeah, I already quoted that scripture. Okay, uh, some key points I want you to understand here. Matthew chapter 5. The characteristics of a true servant of God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You're humble. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 5. Blessed are the meek of the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. These are all rewards. In verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And you you have to hunger and thirst for it. Not to say, oh, this is a Bible study. Uh, but yet you hunger and thirst for Batman movies and Spider-Man and Superman and fantasy and, and computer games and, and whatever else that you like, parties and food and whatever it is. Whatever, whatever you put ahead of God, that's what you hunger and thirst for. And God wants you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, obeying him, not hunger and thirst for the things he created. You must hunger and thirst for the creator and his words. And he says that if you do hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful. Now, just like I was reading in that article, there are about 100 million people being poor. These are people that are compassionate, for they shall obtain mercy. So if you're merciful to people, you will, be, you will also obtain mercy. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for you shall actually see God. You will see the Father. That's what he's saying. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You are a child of God if you are a peacemaker. A peacemaker is someone who um, loves the teachings of God. You're not a peacemaker if you don't love the teachings of God. Verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. Blessed are ye when you shall revile, when men shall revile you, or rail at you, reproach you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. And he means that. <laughs> for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. All right, so understand that, that all the persecution and suffering you're going to go through will be rewarded, folks. And please understand that every single one of the prophets, including the greatest prophet of all time, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, was persecuted. So you're in good company. <laughs> you are in good company. Now, Psalm 142. Psalm 142. Psalm 142, uh, beginning in verse 1. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path, and the way wherein I walked have they privily laid a snare for me. So in other words, when, when you do you, you know, when you cry out to God, he will hear you. He will hear you, and he will come to you, folks. He really will. 
And then Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 7. And that night I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of the devil, to buffet me, that night I'd be exalted above measure. This is what Shaul or Paul is talking about here. He was humble because he was given great revelation from God. Verse 8 of Second Corinthians chapter 12. For this thing I besought the Lord twice, or is it three times? Thrice, yeah, three times, that it might depart from me, whatever it was, this thorn in his flesh. Verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's one thing you need to understand. His strength, God's strength is made perfect in weakness in your sufferings. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Through suffering, the power of Christ will rest upon you. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities, having needs, okay, in um, persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong, okay? So what he means is that when you suffer, that's when most people, when they're suffering, that's when they truly think of God. That's what he's talking about. Just like the example of the wicked king, um, the wicked king that uh, I, uh, of Manasseh, the king of Judah. What happened to him when he was suffering? That's just the way we are. That's 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 the way we're built. Unfortunately, we we have to suffer to take God seriously. Unfortunately, and that's just the way we are. Uh, I'm sure God wished we were another way, but the majority of us, we just don't take Him seriously unless uh, we go through punishment. And I'm, I'm trying to find a scripture here that explains, I think it's Hebrews chapter 12. It says right here, Hebrews 12, uh, verse 5, And you and ye have forgotten the exhortation we speak of unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening or punishment or the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him or corrected. For whom the Lord loves, he, uh, he corrects or, or disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure correction, God dealeth with you as with his sons. For what son is, is he whom his father does not correct? Well, unfortunately, there's quite a few here, but I guess during the first century here, that wasn't the case. Verse 8, but if you be without chastisement, whereof all you are protected, then you are bastards and not sons. Verse 9, furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father's spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastise us for their own pleasure, uh, pleasure or discipline us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Verse 11, now no um, correction or education or training or chastisement, instruction, nurturing, for the present seem to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So that's the purpose of, of righteous suffering, uh, which is described here in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. In other words, praying to God that way. And make straight paths for your feet that not which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness uh, without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay? 
So that that's what we need to do, folks. We need to do that. And Second um, Corinthians chapter twelve, starting in verse seven. Did I read this already? Let me see. Verse seven. Yeah, I did. Okay, so those are all the scriptures, folks, uh, that I'm going to quote today about suffering and realize that suffering is for our own good. And there's a, there's a, okay, there's another scripture I'm going to quote. I'm sorry. Isaiah chapter 26. And we're very hard-headed people. And I'm going to quote this. This will be my last scripture. It says, With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Isaiah 26, verse 9. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yes, with my spirit Within me will I seek thee early, for when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. So that's that's the reason why God allows suffering, because we, just like when you have kids and they just don't get it when you tell them something, but you spank them on the behind, they get it. Uh, that's, that's the way it is with us. I mean, God has to punish us through sufferings, and that's the reason why many of us are suffering throughout the world. Uh, for many, uh, don't even know the true way of life, and, and through the suffering, uh, people will be driven closer to God. And then also we suffer because of the world, and that's what sin does. And let me um, quote uh, something here. I thought I was done, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is a pivotal scripture. That's the reason why I have to quote it here, if I can. Yeah, right here. Uh, Revelation uh, 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from, from Adam to Moses. Okay, so. Um, see, I'm trying to find uh, the scripture where it says uh, that through Adam, death was entered into the world. Here we go. Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we're going to have suffering in the world just because of that, folks. And then Romans chapter 8 um, states this. Romans 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16 in Romans chapter 8, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and as children, then heirs, heirs, and we are an inheritor, an inheritor of God, and joint inheritors with Christ, and so be that we suffer with him. We have to suffer with him that you, we may also be glorified together. The suffering will equate to glory, um, glory or glorifying. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature or the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity or meaningless, meaninglessness, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage or slavery of corruption 
and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Okay, so that that is that is our hope in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. And what is that talking about? Well, let me find Philippians here. Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21. Actually, verse, let me start in verse 20. For our conversation, our citizenship, that should be transferred, uh, translated there, rather. Conversation is um, po-it-yama. <laughs> po-it-yama in Greek. And it means um, community, citizenship. For our community or citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for, sa- for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Verse 21, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. In other words, we're going to have spiritual bodies like him. According to the working whereof he is able to subdue all things unto himself. What a reward, folks. And then uh, in Daniel, chapter 12, starting in verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. There's more to it. And to get the complete picture, folks, you need to study 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 4. Those who are believers uh, in this age uh, will rule with Christ. We will rule the universe with him. We shall judge angels, as 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, verses, uh, let me see, First Corinthians uh, chapter 6 states here. Verse 2. Do you not know, First Corinthians 6 verse 2, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Verse 3. Know you not that we shall judge angels? Okay. I'll leave you with that, folks. But that's what our reward would be if we are willing to suffer with him and have the sufferings of Christ within us. May God bless and keep you. I hope you understand it is worth it uh, to suffer and that suffering is a good thing and, and if you obey God. And God has allowed suffering because of sin. And eventually there will no, never be any more suffering or crying or pain in the future as Revelation chapter 21 reveals. But that's not going to happen until the whole world embraces peace. And if you embrace peace, then you embrace keeping all the commandments of God. May God bless and keep you, and God willing, I will be available for you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts.
Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.